Welcome to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast, the show by and for female millennial entrepreneurs who are building and running thriving, successful businesses while living life to the fullest. I'm your host, Alessandra Polina. Hi, everyone. I'm here today with Claire Ransom, the founder of Lazy Flora, and I'm so excited for you to hear all of the knowledge and wisdom and experience that she has to share with us today. I've known Claire for a couple of years now, I think, but um, I've seen the business grow so much in that time. And I know she's gone through a lot of exciting things in just the last couple of months. And and Claire, I'll let you say hi in a second, <laughs> but I just feel like there's so so many pieces to it in terms of like what we can learn from Claire. And because it's a product-based business, but like a living product. So, which I feel like makes things more complicated. She also has experience with just building a team from the ground up, building a business overseas. I were running a business while being overseas from it, um, dealing with the fundraising aspects, again, the product aspects, running a team. So there's so much there. And so Claire, I'm so happy to have you on and I can't wait to let everybody hear more about Lazy Flora. Sure. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to have you on for such a long time now too. So this is fun, but yeah, we always going to start by just having a little overview of how you started the business and what that journey has been like. So yeah, start by telling us like where, well, first of all, what it is, because I didn't even say, and how'd you get it started? Yeah. So Lazy Flora is an online plant subscription service. If you think of HelloFresh, I wanted to create the plant equivalent and the gardening equivalent of HelloFresh in my mind. So that's what it is. And I started it in 2017 um, when I had moved to this amazing apartment. And after years and years of not having any outdoor space, I finally had this like amazing outdoor space. Um, this is beautiful balcony in London. And I was very excited to kind of put all these plants and start doing some gardening. And then when I actually got around to it, like I got, I kind of got stuck because I, first of all, didn't have a car, so I couldn't get to the garden centers. Um, Once I did get to like home improvement stores, which was the next best thing, the plant variety and quality was just really terrible. Mm -hmm. And it was, the whole thing was just really difficult and stressful and put me off very, very quickly, you know, from, from actually moving forward with this plan. So it was about the time that all these meal delivery services were becoming quite mainstream and I was like a big early adopter of any kind of subscription box so I thought that somebody by that point must have created this plant subscription service that I was looking for Um, and I googled and googled and googled and there was nothing so then I was like oh well that's a shame Um, and kind of carried on with my life for a while um, but the idea never went away. And a couple of years later, I, it was just this niggle that I couldn't get away from. And I was like, I got to do this. So, and here we are. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. What a unique idea. And, but also it sounds really complicated. I mean, <laughs> to figure all that <laughs> out, how did you actually get it started? Like when you were like, okay, this is something I'm going to do. I am going to figure out how to make a subscription box for plants and get people to sign up to like ship them plants every month, right? Like what yeah. does that, I wouldn't even know where to begin. 
<laughs> well that's yeah that's kind of my life at the moment it's like I don't really know where to begin but um <laughs> you just do right you tr- you take things back you strip it back make it as simple as you possibly can and then just start with the basics so I mean I had this grand idea in my head of what I want wanted the business to be and what I and, you know I still have that in my head we're still not there at where I want the business to be but I knew that in order to get it started at all it would have to be like the most basic minimum viable product stripped back version of what I was looking for that it could possibly be mm-hmm. so I literally you know I was living with my parents at the time so I literally I found a plant wholesaler I found a cardboard box supplier a packaging supplier and put together a website and that's how you know that's how I got started with the product concept I ran trials did lots of experimentation with different product concepts um, and just started really really small I love that because I think that's yeah that's so true that's what you have to do sometimes right anything people do kind of start people think oh, I'm starting a business it has to be this whole big grand plan of exactly what I'm imagining as this amazing thing, but really you have to start somewhere. And so I think that's such a smart approach. And yeah, I mean, it would be so, can keep in mind, right? be so easy to get just, you know, analysis paralysis and get bogged down in well, what I'm creating is just not as good as I want it to be. You know, you'd never get anywhere. Right. So you, like it's been for me, it's been a real lesson in like pulling away from that perfectionist streak and trying to be like learning to be comfortable with sending something out that I isn't is not the pinnacle of the product that I want it to be but it's good enough Mm -hmm. you know nobody really knows what I want the product to be I don't know yet because I don't know enough about my customers but that it kind of doesn't matter you know It, it just has to be good enough to meet the expectations that they have and to be a, a product that I'm proud enough of to be able to send. Right. And and you've done such a good job, I think, based on what I've seen over the years of just consistently making it better, consistently kind of adding to the product and to the, just the whole process and the company in general and consistently growing, I think is what it is. You've had consistent <laughs> growth. So it's not like you were like, all right, let me start with this. And then you know, I could see some people getting really bogged down in it once you get started, even if it is kind of like, as you said, more of the stripped down version. And then they're like, you know what, well, I'm making money with this, like, or get really bogged down in every, like all the other aspects. But you, I feel like you've been consistently like making it bigger and better ever since. So I think that's been a good strategy. I, for you. I think, yeah, something that's really helped me with that um, in life is actually like, exercise and running so when I was younger I did a lot of running and like did quite a few half marathons and like endurance events and that's kind of what I've I've really lent on that discipline that I had to build up because I'm not a natural runner I'm not a natural distance runner it's not something that comes naturally to me but that just kind of keeping going and making a little bit of progress all the time has served me really well and has, has definitely helped with, you know, getting the business to where it is right now. I love that. Yeah, that's so good. So tell us some of the things like that have taken you, what are some of the things that, you know, you have done, like, I guess more in like the last year, like what have, or what, what were some of the things like once you basically had plants in a box and you knew how to send them out, actually, let's start from there. Like what else did you have to figure out? Like, I think so much with like marketing, right. And getting people to actually sign up for the service and, Uh, you know, oh God, I know where do I start? 
there's this, this is a loaded <laughs> question, right? I mean, yeah. you've just kind of, I know, cause I know you handle a lot of it yourself, like for a long time and even just things like finding a bigger warehouse and having to, you know, figure out how to use, you know, advertising to get people to sign up for your stuff and the customer service. Like there's so much that goes into that. So maybe if that's too much of a question, the question mm. is like, how have you been able to manage all of those moving parts and like, and doing <laughs> all of those things and building the team that you need in order to help you with those things and what that's been like? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fe- feeling my way a lot of the time. And to be honest, right now, where I am right now, I'm not doing a good job at not doing it all myself. That's definitely one of my weaknesses. Like I try and do everything and obviously that's not going to work. And it ends up in me feeling completely overwhelmed, um, dropping the ball on product ordering or whatever it is. And it can feel, it can really feel quite overwhelming sometimes, but there are definitely some things that are like flowing really well in the business. Like, for example, I've got absolutely brilliant customer service team that I do not need to get involved with at all because we've got the right people in the right place. They are smart people. We've got good training systems in place as well. So they're passing the knowledge between themselves. They're kind of having, you know, a shared knowledge bank the Mm. the continuity from person to person is pretty seamless so the customers aren't affected if someone's handing over you know if someone's on customer service for for the evenings and weekends rather than during the week that's going really well and it's kind of for another another example is my warehouse team so I've got eight people working in the warehouse and a warehouse coordinator at the moment and just having the key people in place like my warehouse coordinator is just amazing really good at communication really like on the ball person who gets what it takes to get a business like this off the ground and keep it running mm-hmm. so and and those people like they are total they are worth 10 times an average person you know mm-hmm. you can find a person who's good enough quite easily but some like just from time to time you'll find these absolute gems who yeah just come in and and make the whole process and show you how things could really be. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's been really good as well. I think I've been, there's definitely luck involved, but it's also a degree of being really, you know, really scrutinizing people, interview and going through trial phases and not, and having to not be afraid to say, no, this isn't the right person and be really honest with them that it's, you know, it's not working for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and that's hard. That's really hard. Totally. It sounds like, I mean, that's a, I mean, a lot, it sounds amazing to have a warehouse manager to like, kind of that, you know, you can really trust on the ground in the warehouse and then eight other people in the warehouse, you said, and your like customer service people who have to be dealing with things like really kind of like immediately, it sounds like, and like seamlessly, like, how do you, I feel like that's not only a, a large team to be managing, but also like very different pieces of the team (laughs) like you can't have like the warehouse people on the same like like when I'm talking to my team you know it's like we're all in one big zoom call and like it's like okay here's what you do for this week like I imagine you don't have like the customer service people and like the warehouse people and like everyone else all in like the same (laughs) kind of like weekly planning meeting like that's that's exactly right yeah that you're you're exactly right so there are a few like key touch points people like the, the main key people that I have that I have like 
weekly or daily catch-ups with mm-hmm. um, and they and I have to rely heavily on them to filter information down to the rest of the team mm-hmm. so that's weird because I've never been in that position before I've never been a manager who manages managers yeah. <laughs> that's that's totally new for me but it's you know it seems to it seems to be working okay but we do I mean I do have contact with everybody on the team like absolutely everybody through various different means of communication we like we rely quite heavily on slack so that's been really transformational for us since the start of lockdown we we just had to throw everything into slack train everyone up overnight and these are you know warehouse operatives they're not like the kind of people that are used to using tools like slack or communicating right it's such like an inter-office type of tool for like desk what's the word for exactly that? workers yeah. Off desk workers <laughs> yeah exactly so we like there's been a huge like leap of faith from from what you know from the warehouse team as well having to get used to something that was quite uncomfortable for them mm-hmm. to start with and like having to you know be be really clear and disciplined about which channels we use like we've got for example a channel where we talk about general stuff we've got one for like random chit chat because it's kind of nice to you know spend a bit of time being social Mm -hmm. Um, but we've also got channels for indoor plants outdoor plants marketing warehouse warehouse deliveries um, and all these different channels and sometimes you're you know at the very beginning of the process we'll start going off on a tangent in Mm. for example indoor plant channel and I'd have to be really like guys you got to pull this into random but you can't (laughs) have this conversation here (laughs) and they and you know people they they've just been so you know just taking it all on board and like embrace the whole thing and be like, oh yes you're right so sorry you know and then carry on the conversation in random or whatever but that you know I've had to learn how to use that tool as well but it has been really really important and obviously you know things like whatsapp are, are really useful because if we're out of hours slack is great because you've got these like out of office hours so mm-hmm. within certain hours you can put it on sleep and it, you don't get disturbed by it um but if there's an something urgent happening like we've got a delivery coming in and nobody in the warehouse to receive it we have to rely on other stuff like whatsapp or email or, or phone calls so yeah, something where you can really disturb somebody even if yeah. <laughs> wake up the flowers are here yeah. so okay I have one more kind of like of these behind the scenes like businessy questions well and then I want to talk more about plants but um <laughs> you kind of just alluded to it just in terms of like lockdown and like the communication with the team like well and not everybody is as face-to-face as before, but like what have, you know, and this episode is probably going to come out a little later. So who knows, but like, I know lots happened for you in the last couple months. Like what has it been like in terms of the COVID pandemic? Cause I know that it seems like the business has just kind of like gone crazy. And I know personally, I subscribed to a lot of subscription type things in the last couple months to make my life, anything that would make my life easier and more beautiful. So I see how plants would have been huge. So tell us about what happened in the last couple of months, just in terms of what that's been like for the business. Yeah, gosh. So it's, it's more than a couple of months now. I mean, we, you know, lockdown started at the beginning of March is it's, you know, it's a long time ago. So gosh, it has been absolutely crazy. The business has grown in size. It's, you know, it's at the moment, it's about almost 10 times the size it was in February. Um, So that's to give you an indication of like the kind of growth that we saw over the past few months has just been crazy. That's incredible. Yeah, it really was. And it, 
it was a really nerve-wracking time because I mean lockdown in the UK has been quite different from lockdown in Massachusetts in Massachusetts all businesses were ordered to shut but in the UK there were certain types of businesses that were allowed to continue operating and yeah. we didn't know which way it was going to go until the announcement was made by the government so we were all like well I'll, you know this could mean the end of the business like overnight um, if we were told to to close our doors and if we were allowed to keep going well that was great but how do we keep the team safe so there are all these questions that we just like like everybody we just didn't know how it was going to pan out mm-hmm. but like as soon as lockdown in the UK was announced we started to see uh, like a, a real rush on sales um, mm-hmm. and, that, and that rush on sales just kind of increased over the the following four to six weeks um, we saw a real peak in April and you know we, we we run a lot of Facebook ads normally but we during April we were requiring customers for oh gosh I can't even like 20 times less than we normally would acquire them for which is just unheard of so we would just have to like get in front of somebody and they would sign up like rather than having to like see like your ad four or five times or something and then yeah and it was such a it was such a moving like we we didn't predict this you know nobody before COVID had predicted that gardening was going to be the thing that got us all through COVID (laughs) (laughs) But it was it just and it's it coincided with like some of the busiest weekends for garden gardening um, because beginning of spring. It was unfortunately for the garden centers that all had to close just ahead of like the busiest time of year. They had so like, you know, they ordered all their stock in and just, you know, hundreds and thousands, like millions of pounds worth of plants had to go to waste. Mm. And we tried to step in and like buy some of the stock from them, but because of the lockdown restrictions, we just weren't able to. We weren't able to move the the plants, wow. so we had to rely on our original suppliers. But it was, yeah, it just was beyond all stretch of the imagination. We were acquiring customers. We got more press attention than we could ever have imagined. Like everybody was all like, we got investment offers. Just it, just the whole thing just went crazy, and wow. it was very very quickly apparent that there was a massive opportunity there so <laughs> but you um, had no way to plan for that like were, did you have enough like plants to send out all the boxes no no, I no the subscription not. you have a sense of how many people every single month obviously knowing that you're going to get some new signups every month but yeah. like that's hard to plan for I yeah mean, yeah it is to plan for it is really hard to plan for um and we also didn't know whether our suppliers were going to be able to continue to operate because we knew we could stay open but we didn't know whether we would be able to get the plants from our suppliers because everything was just so locked down mm-hmm. and you know our, our, our suppliers they did have real restrictions in place that have only just really started to be lifted but we went from you know seven deliveries a week well, an optional seven deliveries a week to one delivery every fortnight oh, or wow. one delivery every week so we had to really like we were really forced to plan ahead and like take really big gambles or miss out on really big opportunities so it was a case of well what do we think is going to happen how much are we prepared to throw at this based on what we can see and how long we think lockdown is going to last and what do we do with it so yeah it was it was a, a calculated risk to move into a bigger premises take on more staff we did that within two weeks because we were already in a a warehouse space that we would out we'd outgrown before the start of covid mm. yeah it was 
it was just it was so much I can't quite I can't even convey it now um (laughs) thinking back so much happened in such a short space of time I basically didn't sleep for three weeks whilst I was putting all this in place like finding the new warehouse finding the new team members shoring up the supply making sure we got enough cardboard boxes managing our ad spend it was it was like all consuming for well I say three weeks it was probably more like three months in the end yeah I'm sure Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, that's just so much. And so now, um, like you talk about it, like it's past tense, like have, have the kind of rush of people signing up slowed down now (laughs) at this point, or are people still signing up? What's that like? Yeah. So we're still getting really good sign up rates, like better than we ever had before COVID, you know, before the start of lockdown. So things are going really well. Like the business is in a really good position, but it's definitely slower. So as, people are going out more you know everyone's done a lot of gardening now this year Mm -hmm. and we all just want to go out in the world and explore as far as we can so I mean August is generally a slow month for e-commerce it's perhaps not as slow this year as it usually is but we've definitely seen a slowdown Mm-hmm. but most people are locked in now for like a monthly it's what do you guys do is it monthly or is it like bi-monthly or what are the general um yeah customers can choose so for outdoor plant subscriptions, people can, and actually this is a big change that we made right at the start of lockdown. Oh. Um, we had to make some really big structural changes to the products because we were offering a subscription that people were paying for every month and receiving once every three months. So it's kind of like mm. pay as you go, but you're kind of locked in for three months. But that also means that we don't get the return on ad spend back until three months, well, you know, until at least two months of past mm-hmm. you see what I mean so the product is delivered in month one and then it takes three further months for the customer to then continue to pay so they pay the balance on that box right um, and we realized if we were going to go for this like land grab and do this huge push for subscribers that we were going to potentially lose quite a lot of money and you know the business could go under really quickly so we had to just shift like overnight no apologies no explanations to our future customers as to why we were doing it um, we just had to say, right, it's this price every month and you get a delivery every month or every two months or every three months. Like you choose the interval, but you have to pay all up front. So mm-hmm. much simpler model, much, much simpler. I wish we'd done it from the start. So that was one of the really big things. But as a result, we've been able to introduce much more flexibility for customers so they can choose. Do they want a delivery every one, two or three months? And it's entirely up to them and they can skip any time and they can cancel any time and it just so much easier to administer. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, so you've been forced into, you've been forced to make tough decisions, but also sort of like quick decisions that have actually made things easier in some ways that maybe you wouldn't have kind of been forced into making that change yet yeah, or at exactly. all or ever if you hadn't kind of been forced into it and now it's making your life easier. Yeah, it's one of those things because with the model that we had before, when customers would pay like 15 pounds, 15 pounds, 15 pounds each month. And yet the value of the total box was 45 pounds. They would receive one delivery every three months. I'd done that because I thought that's what customers wanted. And that I thought that that's, that they were interested in lower monthly payments. Mm -hmm. So it was never done really think you know from a business point of view it was never really done to to say well what's the best thing for the business it was like well what's the best thing for the customer Mm -hmm. first and foremost and I don't know that we 
we would ever have, well, I don't know, maybe we would. Um, <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> maybe now, we would yeah. have changed. But it really did force the, the situation. And and it turns out that's what people, it just, it, yeah, it's, it's much better, basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great news. That's wonderful. So wait, tell us a little more just because we kind of jumped right into all the nitty gritty stuff. But to, I, you just said you kind of have the availability to get a box one, two or three months. But tell us a little more about like what kind of plants you're doing. Like, how do you like, are you picking out the plants every month? What is the story with the plant? Yeah, so we have two different, well, actually multiple different types of subscriptions now, but we, the flagship subscription, the most popular one we do is an outdoor seasonal plant subscription. So I have a plant designer. She's an expert landscape gardener who's exhibited um, various different Royal Horticultural Society shows. So she designs the plant collection each month. And at the start of each month, we'll come up with a new design that features seasonally appropriate plants that if customers order, then they know that they're going to get this really beautiful display instantly delivered. And it's like instant impact Mm -hmm. so that they will always have flowering or colorful or, you know, textured plants in their outdoor space for the duration of that subscription box. And that's what we aim to do. Um, So it's all done seasonally. Uh, In the UK, there are only like three main zones that we like work with in terms of climate um, there's like the northern Scotland, the rest of the UK, and then there's the south, which is a bit warmer. So we basically make a selection based on what we know about the delivery address. Oh, wow. So that's even more complicated than I, I hadn't even thought of that. Like different, <laughs> for outdoor plants, people need, you, yeah, you have different things that are going to work for different people depending on where they are. Yeah. And what we really, what I really want to do in future, I mean, I did kind of told you at the start that this is really only scratching the surface of what I think the service can be um what I'd really love to get to in future is we can really deeply personalize the selection of plants that go out to each individual person mm-hmm. at the moment because we're quite small we're still small despite the you know the rapid growth that we've experienced we're ordering a set selection of plants and we're sending a subsection out to each customer to make sure it's like appropriate for where they live um, but in future I want us to be able to order a, a much bigger selection and if somebody wants pink and blue as their theme that we can deliver just pink and blue or if they don't want fragrance plants for whatever reason or if they've got allergies or if they've got pets and they don't want you know they want pet friendly plants we would able we'd be able to deliver something that meets that meets that requirement wow yeah, there's so much more that I hadn't even thought of. <laughs> you have a lot of opportunity for growth still. Oh, masses, yeah. So, uh, well, and should I even ask that? I mean, I feel like you've had so much that you've just been dealing with kind of like staying on top of everything <laughs> as it is right now. Dare I ask if you have like any concrete plans for like the, or well, I hate to even say concrete when it comes to business but any like real major things that you do plan to do in the next kind of couple months or next year or so um next couple months is probably just going to be like bedding in and like getting used to the new normal um continuing to grow obviously we always want to do that but longer term yeah definitely I mean I want this business to be like I wanted to become a household name in the UK to start with I want to bring it over to the US that's definitely on the cards I'm putting effort into figuring out what that looks like and where we launch and you know if we do launch in the US is it going to be 
in Massachusetts? Is it going to be New York or is it going to be California? Working out where we get our plant supply from, where the packaging is from, and like kind of getting to grips with all the interstate taxes, you know, not letting that as hold us back. So, yeah, there's big plans, big plans. <laughs> I can't yeah. promise you when it will happen. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see and to hear more about that. Yeah, it sounds complicated. I mean, as you say, especially like taxes. And in the US, there's so many different climates. Um, um, mm. Yeah, but I know you yeah, can. It's definitely a challenge. And I mean, and it's just like plants, they're so like alive and they need to still be beautiful when they get to people. Like I imagine that would be, that sounds really stressful in itself. <laughs> like what if somebody gets their box and like the plants are all withery looking and like dying, they're going to be like, uh, people would be upset, right? Oh yeah. People get very, very upset when that happens, which is kind of, I mean, on one hand it's understandable. On the other, it's like, we've, I mean, you know, as a business, we've got to do everything we can to make sure that the products arrive with our customers in like pristine condition. Right. So there are certain things that we can control like packaging, We can control which courier that we work with to make sure that we get the best possible service. And we also, you know, if things do go wrong, we can also put in place really amazing customer service to kind of sweep up any mess that we've caused or that our courier has caused on our behalf. So, you know, there's a lot there's a lot that can go wrong because plants are so perishable and fragile, but it's, it's kind of how you react to that that customers tend to really look to and respond to. So yeah, US is definitely a different challenge because the distances are much bigger, but we'll figure out a way around that. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I'm sure you will. What is what would you say? Do you have like I mean, I know nothing about like subscription type that well, I I know a lot as a consumer, but not as a business. Yeah. Um for subscription or even just product-based business, like is there like a favorite tool or I don't even know. Yeah. Like you must have so many different like tools and like, like different programs that you have to use to manage that type of stuff. Like if somebody was like, where's the one thing I should like look into to start a subscription based business? (laughs) Like, do you have any? Yeah, for sure. Uh, So Shopify, basically, I absolutely love Shopify. It's an amazing, amazing platform. It's made starting a subscription box business like a million times easier. It's, totally it's worth every penny that you pay for it oh so what because it you can just make the purchase straight through there and then on on the back end it kind of shows you everything you need for the order yeah yeah it's just so it's a shopify is an e-commerce platform for anyone who doesn't know and there are like a few competitors in the marketplace but if you're going to be selling a product that oh my god they make it easy they make it so easy to create a beautiful looking web page and any like any supplementary pages, it's a brilliant, brilliant place to start. Um, if you're starting a subscription box, you're also going to need an app on top of Shopify. Um, the one that I use is called Bold. Um, there's another really good competitor called Recharge, um, which also merits a lot of careful consideration. Yeah, those are definitely the two market leaders. As well as that, I mean, there are lots of really cool tools, but another one that stands out is um, in my mind is Clavio, mm-hmm. the email provider. They have really intuitive targeting and you can really, really very specifically target certain segments and certain groups of customer or potential customer. They have quite a lot of what they call AI information about which customers are going to be the, the next to churn based on their behavior. I don't know what 
criteria they use to come to that conclusion but it enables you to you know if you know someone's likely to churn soon you can hit them with a really compelling offer or send them a nice message to encourage them to not churn or to get them get feedback from them about why they're churning or wait so churning would mean like they were going to stop their subscription is that what that means yes yeah sorry Uh, so like right when it can tell that somebody might not want to stick around anymore you, you can hit them with like an email that's like we love you. We don't go. <laughs> customer. Here's a really special new product. Exactly. Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Clavio. And they're based in Boston. It's oh, a really? Boston based startup. Yeah. Not, not a startup anymore. I don't think, but they're absolutely brilliant. It's a really, really powerful tool. We'll put all, I'll put all these tools in the show notes so that if anybody's interested in starting a subscription business, they can just Google all these things you just said and have a leg mm-hmm. up on getting started. Because I'm, I know you've done, you've done your research into figuring out everything. <laughs> oh yeah, and I've, you know, I've got it wrong along the way. That yeah, <laughs> I've definitely got it wrong along the way. Getting to this point, I can't wait to read your book one day, Claire. <laughs> I, I can't like wait to wait to write it. Thank you. <laughs> so much to share one day. So in terms of the business or like just in terms of business in general, I always ask people at the end of these interviews, what's one thing that you wish you had known more about when you first began your business? Um, for me, the hardest thing has been the financial side. You know, there's a lot of financial insecurity. Like I knew when starting a business that it would test me to my absolute limits. And I thought that meant in the same way that like that I'd been tested in my previous work you know if there have been difficult situations with people or products you know no problem is unsolvable and you still come out at the end of the day and you're unscathed that's not the case with starting a product-based business that you know that you have huge ambition for if you've got huge ambition to have like a a market-leading business you know I've had to put myself financially on the line in ways that I never thought I would mm-hmm. and I never wanted to <laughs> I mean it's been incredibly uncomfortable um, I'm starting to get to a point where there's like a, a light at the end mm-hmm. but it's that's definitely been the hardest thing I would I would say however much money you think you need you need to double it and then double it again oh geez <laughs> that's uh, okay that's good to know for sure. (laughs) I know with products, it's like, yeah, there's a whole another side to business there. Well, so then the other question I ask is what's one thing you want to share with other entrepreneurs as they're going along this journey with you? What's your kind of advice? Um, Gosh, besides that, because that was kind of advice too. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose it was. It's definitely find a community. Um, That's been like, it can be very lonely and especially when you're like feel like you're taking financial risk and for someone who's not a very risk I'm not a risk taker person you know I'm quite conservative in that way quite sensible it can be really reassuring to hear from other people who are going through the same thing who are taking the same risks who feel the same discomfort and who are coming out with like similarly brilliant businesses at the end of it yeah and I have a brilliant business I just called my business brilliant but yeah it is brilliant It is. Oh my gosh. Totally own that. I love that you said that. And, and I couldn't agree more about building or finding that community for yourself. So 
Yeah, that's great advice, I think. And I'm so glad that we got to talk about your brilliant business a little bit today. Thank you thank so you. for sharing all of that with me. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on your show. I'm really excited to kind of speak to you. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast, so you won't miss the next episode. And leave a review on iTunes so other people will be able to find us easily. Also, don't be shy to get in touch with me or anyone you heard on this show. We're all about connecting and our Instagram handles and contact links are always in the show notes. If you have questions or ideas for a future episode or you want to submit a guest or to see those show notes, you can do all of that online at quotablemediaco.com slash podcast. One other thing. Join other listeners on Facebook and Instagram by searching female millennial entrepreneurs and joining us there. Talk to you soon and see you there.